G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. It basically came to a point when I discovered about two weeks after he had actually gone. Um, in fact, the Lord spoke to me and um, really impressed on my heart. He was going to be gone for longer. And um, the first conversation that I had with him about two weeks after he'd left, it wasn't what he said, it was what he didn't say. Mm. That I knew in my heart that it was like, uh-oh, we're in for a long haul here. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. We start off with a wonderful reconciliation today. Liz Wadani and her husband, Rookie, have been separated seven years before they finally came back together and remarried. They've gone on to create a website called Twice Upon a Lifetime and are eager to help other couples restore their marriages. Liz Wadani is chatting and sharing how it all happened with Karen Hunt. Can you take us back to the beginning of the story and let us know about your journey. Okay, um, I'll try and keep it brief because, of course, it has been a journey now since about 1993. Uh-huh. Um, it started initially, obviously, with us being married in 1998, and then we were about married for about three and a half years. And um, we're both born again. We're full on in the church, leading in youth. My husband was in Bible college. And um, basically, we uh, there was there was a lot of stuff that basically arose from his past, as well as um, there was um, particular things that actually became offences there. And it came to such a point where, in his own life, that he knew that he could either be hot or cold for the Lord, mm. and um, that he couldn't be lukewarm. He could no longer be lukewarm. And um, because of the trouble that was just arising, he just said, "That's it. I'm out of here." And I didn't know any of this, of course. And so basically, he left the state. We were in New South Wales, and he left to go to Victoria. And um, that separation and divorce actually happened. Uh, it, it, was, it became a full restoration for up to seven years. So now we've been remarried for just over 13 years. And we've got um, one child who is now heading on 22 from our what we call the first part of our marriage. And then we've got a child, Raphaela, which actually means um, healed by God in Hebrew. The Lord gave us that name. And she was born in 2006, six years after we were back together again. So let me just recap. So you were married, you were divorced, and then you remarried again seven years later. Yes. I mean, the way you're speaking about it is like uh, just this simple story unfolding, but (laughs) I mean, the agony and the pain along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Look, there was, look, it basically came to a point when I discovered about two weeks after he had actually gone. um, In fact, the Lord spoke to me and um, really impressed on my heart that it was, he was going to be gone for longer. And um, the first conversation that I had with him about two weeks after he'd left, 
it wasn't what he said, it was what he didn't say mm. that I knew in my heart that it was like, uh-oh, we're, we're in for a long haul here. And so I really started seeking the Lord what I should do about it. And look, this is something that we share and we never impress on other people, but we just ask them to seek the Lord's heart for their marriage. Um, we don't say this is the rule, this is the way that you should go. But we really, I really started asking the Lord what I should do about it. And of course, that's when I started looking at scripture and finding that, you know, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so that for me included me, mm. that even I shouldn't, you know, look to um, bring divorce or anything into it. Um, as the journey came out, divorce did actually happen. But then it even took it, the Lord took it even deeper for me to realize that as far as I was concerned, for better, for worse, through sickness, for health, until death do I part, you know. Um, yeah. And so then began the real heart journey. A lot of soul searching, a lot of, I call it sucking carpet. <laughs> Liz, how important is it for you to get back to the Word of God about what the Bible says regarding marriage? Very much so. And see, the thing is that, um, see, this is where we actually intermingle with the leading of the Holy Spirit as well as the Word, because there is so much in the, in the Word of God that if you look at Old Testament, that some people get very confused with, you know, like different things that have happened. And so what we basically encourage, because we are national directors of a international organization called Covenant Keepers that support people that are standing for their marriage. And we encourage each person to really seek the heart of God for their marriage um, because there's so many different stories of people standing for their first marriage or their second marriage or whatever it is that the Lord has actually led them to do. And for us, I mean, prime parable that, not parable, but story that we also often intermingle with this when sharing with people is with the woman at the well when people question us, oh, well, you know, what about first, second and third marriage and everything? And, and we often go back to that and just say, look, if it was that important to Jesus, he would have shared to that woman at the well about which marriage or which relationship she should be with. Instead, he was more concerned about the restoration of the heart. And that's what it came down to for me, that I knew for our marriage to actually work fully, he had to come back to a full relationship with the Lord, and I had to be in full relationship mm. with the Lord. So we often talk, like we hear a lot about the prodigal son story, and again, we actually have changed the name. We call it the tale of two brothers because in a lot of ways he was the one that was the one that left the home as a prodigal. But meanwhile, I was the oldest son that if you look at that, there's actually two parts of it. And one's about the older brother and one's about the younger brother and intermingled that in that as the father's heart. And so for me, I remained in the father's house, but I still didn't actually get that I was a daughter of the Most High. And until I got that in my own life as well, um, it's funny that scripture, you know, where um, God says about that two shall become one. It's actually two people that are working towards wholeness and Christ becoming one rather than when we went into marriage we didn't realize that we were actually two broken people trying to make the other person to be the other half. Now Liz there might be someone listening who's going through separation or divorce right now they may have given up themselves can you speak to that person about the hope that we do all have no matter how bad things may look? Yes 
Look, I think one of the things that I actually learned through this journey, and I'd never ever realised myself that that grief is grief and loss is loss, and um, that the Lord does have a journey for each one of us whereby we actually have to walk through that. But at the same time, there is that hope because of the eternity and because of that, his heart is always towards restoration. It doesn't matter whether it is a broken marriage relationship or anything else like that, but his heart, I mean, it says that there's no marriage actually in heaven, but his heart is towards our restoration of relationship towards him. And he seems to sort out the rest. One of the most amazing parts of my journey was actually walking a path of forgiveness and that it came down to the crux of, well, if God forgives my spouse and if God forgives the other person that was actually involved in there, well, who in the earth am I to put myself as God and not forgive them? And so it, it ended up being a reflection and, and back on me that I realized that I had to walk through this journey. And if I didn't walk through it, it was going to be even rougher and tougher and that bitterness would really take hold, hardness of heart would take hold. And therefore, during that season that we were apart, I was going to be of no earthly use to my Creator whatsoever for His kingdom purpose. I mean, we were just talking the other morning that maybe as Christians, when we actually greet each other, rather than actually say, so how are we? It should actually be, how much have you died to yourself today? Mm. What a question, <laughs> hey? <laughs> and and that has actually been a heart challenge for us just even in this last week, because the Lord's been speaking to Rookie about this, you know, um, the challenge of how much have we actually died to ourselves today for his kingdom purpose? Liz, I'm curious to know about your children. You said you've got uh, two kids, a handsome son from your uh, first period of marriage and a beautiful daughter from your reunion and your remarriage. How have those kids fared amidst your journey? So one of the things that we've actually noticed in our own children, um, now with our youngest one who's now seven, um, she is totally different from our now heading on 22-year-old because, of course, our young man walked through the journey of restoration and the loss and everything else like that. We really believe that there has been a real circle of comfort and protection around him. Even during his early years when he was in primary school, when it was all going on, when the teachers actually found out about, about a little bit about you know our circumstance, because at that time we were apart, they were just blown away about how amazing that he was and we were actually he actually was in a school that actually had a high quantity of single parents and so there was um, a fair bit of disturbance happening with the children that weren't seeing both mother and father and I know that's a huge generalization but it is something that we're just generally noting okay I'm not pointing the finger at anybody or anything and then so during the journey of restoration that was harsh on him that was really really hard on him because of course when my husband came back home he was not a pretty package um there was basically like the prodigal son he'd been living in the pig's den you know and there was a lot of stuff that was going on that he needed to journey through and so that was quite hard on him um with our second child because of course she's grown up in a total different home now the Lord really used her to bring laughter back in the home (laughs) because prior to her being in the home it was probably way too serious (laughs) 
And and so the Lord really used her um, like her namesake, you know, healed by God, that it's a real faith. It's a real faith statement being healed by God. So for us, it was literally um, just allowing her to grow up and so differently. She's very confident. She's very much into her music and her drama and, and so so into meeting people and, and things like that where where our son, I mean, we are so proud of our son. He's he's just recently actually graduated out of the, um, uh, well, for the 80 days of um, recruit training as the most outstanding recruit in all areas of training God in the entire platoon. And we're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it's a journey. Yeah. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Liz Wadney here on the first half of the story. It was great to hear about a marriage restored. And if you want to know more about how she and her husband, Rookie, are helping other couples reunite, their website is twiceuponalifetime.com. That's twiceuponalifetime.com. Dot com. Next, we go from Liz Wadani from New Zealand to Jasmine Pillay from Malaysia. We'll find out her journey to becoming a Bible teacher when we return. The story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 You're listening to The Story. Before the break, we heard Liz Wadani from New Zealand share about her marriage and family. Next, we hear from Jasmine Pillay from Malaysia about her marriage and family, also about cultural differences she's experienced and the different places in the world they have lived. Jasmine's sharing her journey with Karen Hunt. Where were you born and what was your childhood like? I was born in Malaysia in a town called Kuala Lumpur, which is the capital of Malaysia. My parents were both teachers, and because they were English teachers, we grew up speaking English. I've lost my mother tongue. I never spoke my mother tongue. I do speak Malay, which Did is the... Did you say thang? Thang. Thang. Mother tongue. Not tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That's your cultural background. Sorry to interrupt you. That's all right. Keep going. So you never spoke your mother tongue? No. <laughs> You know, English is my preferred language, the one I think in and dream in and speak to God in. Mm -hmm. And my childhood was interesting because I grew up in a family with two siblings, an older sister and a younger brother, and I was the middle child. And I had a bad case of middle child syndrome, very bad case. How much younger and how much older were they? My sister was 18 months older and my brother was five years younger. Okay. The gift child, you know, the son that the parents longed for. The baby boy. The baby boy. (laughs) Always the baby boy. (laughs) It was interesting growing up because my personality often clashed with my mother's. She didn't want a child who spoke up, who expressed their opinion. (laughs) So was she like that? She was a totally different temperament. Okay. She was a temperament that said do and expected instant obedience and I was a temperament that said why and uh, you know I don't want to and you know so we we had some amazing clashes and how was your older sister was she similar to you or to no. mom or different altogether 
she was totally quiet and and retreating compliant. and compliant not compliant no? far okay. from it but if she felt that um she couldn't do something she just retreated into her room closed the door and stayed there all day mm. i of course had to venture out and brandish my sword yes. and get into fights with my mother you know <laughs> very brave of you <laughs> oh yes i'm a brave soul what about dad <laughs> i am very much like my dad I have his huge sense of humor which often gets me into trouble. Mm-hmm. I have his flashy way of dressing, but my dad learned early on in marriage not to fight because he lost every battle. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never learned that lesson. Uh-huh. Oh, dear, dear, dear. So, my dad um was not home all the time, and even if he was home, um he chose not to fight so it was a, an interesting combination a very dominant mother and a very retreating father both malaysian malaysia is a land with three or four major races so when you say malaysian you could mean an indian malaysian a chinese malaysian a malay muslim malaysian or a malaysian that is intermarried with any of these races and is of a mixed race so there's no typical malaysian a malaysian comes in all shapes forms religions temperaments colors mm-hmm. um you know so you can't pin down a malaysian and say you're a typical malaysian there is no such thing we were a minority group in malaysia called tamils and the tamils comprised 0.03% wow. of the population really but they produced something like 30% of the teachers the doctors and the lawyers in the country that says a lot in itself doesn't it because education was the number one priority yeah. of a tamil family mm-hmm. they would sacrifice everything to get their children professionally trained and qualified so for you what training did you have I trained as a lawyer and I practiced as a lawyer in Malaysia for 7 years. Mm-hmm. Shortly after I had my first child and my husband and I had been married at that stage for about 7 years, we migrated to Australia. So Jasmine, is your husband a Tamil Malay as well? He's a Tamil. A Malay is a a Muslim. So you can't say we are Malays, uh-huh. a Malaysian. Yes, my husband's a Tamil okay. Malaysian and I am a Tamil Malaysian. Did you meet at university? No. We were introduced by well-meaning people who found that we had much in common. We came from a professional background. We uh, were um uh, church-going people and we came from Christian families. So was it arranged? We don't use that word because um sometimes like in India and other places when a marriage is arranged, the bride and groom do not meet till the uh-huh. actual wedding day. Okay. But being professionals, we are required to marry professionals and so you are introduced at a function at a party at a at a public venue and if you um like each other then you are encouraged to date and get to know each other and if you don't like each other then it 
comes to an end right there. Okay, so a bit of a professional setup and yes. then hope for the best. Yes. <laughs> but what they do, and it's really good in a sense, is they match you up perfectly, family for family, job for job. So a professional would always be introduced to a fellow professional, never to someone uh, who was not a professional. So, so your fellow professional husband, yes. what was his professional area? He was an accountant. So you're the lawyer. Yes. He's the accountant. That's right. He was set up for a meeting date. Yes. Where was that date? I'm curious. In an auntie's birthday party. Okay. <laughs> and the um, terrible thing was everybody knew that this was oh, a setup, no. except the two parties concerned. Really? And all eyes on the room, oh. in the room, were on you oh, and while wow. you were introduced, you know. So it's quite embarrassing, but very be. often it works. Mm-hmm. And you, um, the, the good thing about it is there's not that diverse family background that you have to overcome. You are of the same race. You are of the same faith. And you are uh, professional, educated people, so you have the ability to converse on a certain level. So the familiarity in yes. those things would be a definite help to initiating your relationship, I imagine. Exactly. There's so many fewer obstacles mm. to overcome. Mm. And it, it has worked. You know, it's a, it's got a proven record. Uh, the only thing is the parents uh, do all the um, manipulating, if you like, the introductions, you know, but you have a you have the opportunity to say no and it comes to an end. Okay, so you and Paul, you've been married now for 35 years. That's right. Go back to the time when you said you came to Australia. So you were together for seven years? We were married for about seven years plus when we migrated to Perth. Mm -hmm. And we lived in Perth for 15 years, 14 and a half years. And what were you doing there? Um, I was working for a church in Perth. Um, Well, let me put it this way. My intention was to be admitted to the bar and practice law in Perth. And I got as far as that until God intervened. And he was speaking to me and I was not listening. So he spoke to my husband and said, send your wife to Bible school. I went to Bible school and I was working in the ministry and I've been working in the ministry 25 to 30 years now. It was a Rama Bible Training Center in Perth, Western Australia, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was a life-changing experience. I remember in the two years that I spent in Bible school, I cried all the way mm. through because I had accepted the Lord when I was 10 years old, but I was ignorant of the Bible. Even though I read the Bible, I did not understand what I was reading. I was ignorant of how much God loved me. I was ignorant of the promises in the Bible. I was ignorant about so many things. And when I sat in Bible school and I was finally taught the Bible, I just sat there and wept for the wasted years, the years in the wilderness when I didn't know, I really didn't know about God and how much he loved me. And it was a life-changing experience. The word of God came alive to me for the first time. The next step in my journey, I found I was on the staff of the church. I was ordained as a minister in the church. I was leading the women's group. I was teaching in the Bible school. And I did that for something like seven years. And then one day, um, God spoke to us again and said, get out of your country and leave your family and go into a new land. And we found ourselves in England. Wow. 
And why we left Australia was um, my elder girl wanted to do medicine and my second girl wanted to do aerospace engineering. Ooh, and the opportunities <laughs> to do that yeah. um, were somehow other not available to us in Australia. I think it was part of God's design. We went to England and my elder girl did her medicine and my younger girl did her aerospace engineering. She did two degrees in aerospace engineering and airport management. And I did my master's in the Bible mm. and we all got educated. Well done, even more so. Even <laughs> While my husband worked and paid for everything. Oh, God bless you. And, and then we came back to Australia because my elder girl came back to uh, work here and we all missed her so much we followed suit. Wow. So Paul mm. continued in accountancy. He did. Okay. Uh, he, well, while in England, because he is an English qualified accountant. But when we came here, God closed every door for him to go into the secular field or secular work and only opened the door of a church. Uh, so he now works as an accountant in a church, more than an accountant. He's the business manager. So that's where we are now. He is the business manager and I do a number of things in the church and we both work for the church. He works full time and I work part time. And your two daughters, they're now one's married. One, the elder one, the doctor's married mm-hmm. and the younger one, she works for the Australian aerospace company that makes helicopters for the defense forces. So for you mm-hmm. and Paul together, now mm. in this season of life, mm-hmm. you know, the empty nest season, mm. what is your focus of the moment? Our focus on the moment is serving God. After all the years of, of, of being um, out in the secular world and doing secular jobs, so earning big money, if you like, right now we are totally focused on serving God and doing His will because we are totally, totally convinced that Jesus is coming back soon and we want to be found doing the Master's work. And that you are. Do you have some hopes and dreams? Give us a little clue. I do. Teaching is what God has called me to do and I will be going to um, India and Fiji in the very near future to actually teach in Bible schools. Um, I see myself doing that more and more. I am not sure that all my teaching will be done globetrotting, but I see that doors will be open for me to use the gift that God has given me. God's call has been very clear that it is a teaching gift I have. But there are times and seasons and there's definitely a timing in God's will. And I see that that timing is right now uh, because doors are opening for me to go and teach. Fantastic. God's not finished with you yet, is he? He has not finished (laughs) with me. I have more time now than I've ever had to serve God because my children are are older. They're independent and we have the time to do what God wants us to do. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Jasmine Pillay from Malaysia about her journey to becoming a Bible teacher. We pray that the Lord continues to use her for His honour and glory. As the Bible says, a person's heart plans their way, but the Lord directs their steps. So we pray that the Lord continues to direct her to many fruitful opportunities to teach God's Word. Well, thanks for joining us for two international stories of marriages and families. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. The only way for me to survive, it was to put me in a hospital for children which are sick with tuberculosis. And I stayed there for 10 years old without knowing my real name 
without knowing my age, my birthday, and without even knowing that I have a family. Ulazana was born into a poor family in Moldova. In desperation, her mother placed her into a home for children with tuberculosis, even though she didn't have it. And she was given medicine like a regular patient until she was 10 years old. Her life finally began to turn around when she eventually came to live in a Christian orphanage for girls. She'll share her story next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, vision is listener supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.